Welcome back to another week of the Baseball America Fantasy Podcast. This is your host, Jeff Ponce. As always, alongside me is the grand champion, the master of the pyramid, the man who knocked everyone off of the mountain. That would be Dylan White, Canada's first son, the arrival. How's it going, man? <laughs> I'm, I'm speechless after that introduction. Hey, I try to make him bigger every week. <laughs> that, that's the ongoing bit. What my new nickname is. Uh, it's going good. Uh, we're uh, it's dynasty season with mock drafts and startup drafts, and I'm ranking players for the rollout of those. It's uh, there is no off season, as they say. Very much not. Uh, it's it's kicking into high gear right now. I feel like we've had maybe a bit of a lull for a few weeks, been able to catch our breath a little bit, and uh, now baseball is over. And, you know, we're in the midst of handbook season. The top tens are rolling out on the website. Um, we've been buried in a couple of projects ourselves, um, working on the stat cast rankings. We did the hitting rankings a uh, week ago last Friday. And then the pitching rankings went on the site on Monday uh, this week. So I encourage you, if you haven't read those, go check them out. Um, Dylan uh, taught me many, many things, as did JJ. And uh, we got to work together and, and put something together that I think is really neat all based on non-public advanced stat cast data and ranking out the systems and um, building almost like a, a mini model to measure the systems with uh, kind of based off of your work, of course, with RoboScout and, uh, you know, stuff models and things that you've done here. Um, so that, you know, that was obviously really interesting as well, but as you said, I got a startup draft going right now, feeling pretty good about where I'm at. Going to be uh, probably on the clock, maybe at the end of this podcast, if I'm lucky. Um, I'm only three, three picks away. Um, and we have the, uh, the, uh, um, uh, the mock draft that we're doing with Eric Cross and, uh, Chris Clegg. And that's through, I'm sorry, man. I'm totally drawing a blank, like on air. What is the name of that? Fantasy Toolshed Winter Mock Draft. Exactly. The Toolshed. Cause they have multiple places they write. You know, Clegg has his own. So I was like, Toolshed. Yes, the Toolshed, uh, you know, podcast and Patreon one. Uh, we're doing that mock right now with a bunch of other industry titans like James Anderson, the Welsh. Of course, Chris and Eric are involved in that. Uh, Matt Thompson, Chris Blessing, um, Jesse uh, Roach. I mean, you, you name somebody that writes about Dynasty Baseball, they're probably in this mock draft. Um, so that's been interesting. I've had those going on simultaneously. And my... Um, actual startup dynasty is a 16 team OBP five by five. And that's been going on. Uh, and it's maybe three rounds, four rounds ahead of the tool shed mock. So I've been kind of like using that to see the future a little bit, you know, <laughs> um, can't wait till I sneak in and take chase the way above ADP just to snatch him out of Eric Cross's hands. But, uh, I'm going to probably do that before this podcast publishes. So we'll see. Hopefully uh, the draft moves along and I'm able to do that. Don't going to go, uh, going to go ham as the kids like to say, uh, <laughs> not my kids or any kids around me, but uh, I'm old. So I'm going to say stuff like that. That being said, let's open the show. We worked in the stack cast rankings. We're not going to go into depth about the actual rankings. You pay the money, go into the website, go and read the article. I want to take away like a little insight that maybe 
was discussed in the article or is there something we took away um, from doing the work and then just sort of the results in total? Um, whether it's hitting or pitching, is there something like a takeaway or something that comes to mind, a pattern, something that you noticed from doing these that kind of informed you? Uh, I'll, I'll, the pitching's fresher in my mind, so I'll, I'll talk about those. Um, as a, a Toronto Blue Jay fan, obviously, I, I look to see how Toronto is is ranked. And uh, I don't know if this is a spoiler, but they're, they're sixth in the stuff. Um metric that we put together for the for the pitching and you know like the top guys are the dodgers as you'd expect the yankees have been kind of um near the top with their analytics uh, i mean they used to be at least i don't know uh, based on cashman's comments um recent comments whether they still are um but they had a huge analytics department baltimore is up there um and we know what they've been doing recently and Tampa Bay. So, you know, the kind of the usual suspects are in the top five and then Toronto sneaks in there. Um, that was a pleasant surprise. I know, you know, they've got guys like Connor Cook, who's got an incredible slider on like the stuff plus models and, you know, Ricky Tiedemann's got his good stuff. Um, but, you know, some guys at the lower levels have some good stuff too. And uh, it was a, it was a nice surprise to see them in the, the top 10, let alone uh you know, in the top half. So yeah. that, that was nice to see. Yeah. And I think, you know, they did it in an interesting way um, that I think you can tell is definitely something that's being taught with the pitching lab and all that stuff that they've really developed in the organization and kind of talked about a little bit. Their chase rates being as high as they are, it's definitely on purpose. And I don't think it's an accident that they have the ch highest chase rates and also have overall the flattest vertical approach angle across all of the organizations i see it a lot thrown above the zone getting those chases you know getting over barrels um that's what they're trying to do and they have guys like you know a chad dallas who is a great slider and is able to you know get chases on that pitch and get swings and misses out of the zone um and it's something that you've seen organization wide i've obviously seen three of the four full-time affiliates and I saw their FCL team. So saw most of the Blue Jays teams this year in person. And yeah, I mean, you know, it's pretty clear to see the type of arms that they have. Um, and I think they have guys like a Nolan Perry that's on the complex. We'll probably see in a full season environment next year that, well, not like a great pitching, he's not a top 100 prospect. He's a pretty good pitching prospect that I think people may maybe don't necessarily know about. And they had a lot of interesting arms kind of coming out of uh, the bullpen at all different levels. Um, you know, Connor Cook, I think, is probably my favorite reliever in the minor leagues. I love him. Uh, really interesting profile, flat vertical approach angle, efficient fastball, sits 95, 96. And he could spin a breaking ball, 3,000 RPM breaking ball. You don't usually see guys with high RPM breaking balls like that that also have efficient four-seamers. And he could turn over a changeup. It's just a matter of getting that command with a changeup. He's a reliever. He's not going to be a starter. But, like, there are literally guys like that. Mason Flurry is another one who's really, really good. So seeing that number, I think, like, confirmed a lot of things that I was feeling and seeing. Um, and it's funny because, like, Adam Klofstein and Semmer Bursi don't factor into that number. They fall underneath. We assigned because it was too tough to break it down. And they're in the organization now. So, like, Whoever, whatever the body of work was from that org, 
goes to the other one. So they, they were missing those two guys who, you know, were top 30 arms for them. It's not like they were nothing. Um, so I thought that was a really interesting takeaway. Um, I think the other one I want to say here is, despite the narratives that are out there, the consistency of the Yankees programs, both on the hitting and pitching side, they rank really highly. They rank second in overall hitting. They rank third in pitching. And they were the only organization when we looked at overall whiff rate, overall chase rate, and then X Woba, so who had the lowest. They were one of th- they were the only team that was within the top three in all categories. They weren't first in any, um, but I think this just goes to show like the depth of talent and it's not necessarily about just the high end guys. It's about like that bottom and that middle of the system. And I think teams like the Yankees and Dodgers have more resources spent on scouting international market and then data and player development. And that's where like the monolith, the big machine really comes into play when they're investing in all those different inputs, you start to see, it's not the top guys necessarily, but you start to see the bottom and the middle come up a lot. And that's what I took away from the Yankees program, which I think is counter to what might necessarily be out there in the New York media, depending upon the week, there's too much analytics. There's not enough analytics. They got a bunt, whatever it is this week, you know, it kind of flies in the face of that. So I thought, I, I hope that I can be the reality check for the, the thinking Yankees fan out there. Yeah. And then like an interesting kind of subplot to that is how Tampa Bay is near the top for the pitching, like we talked about, but they're hitting, they were kind of near the bottom. They, uh, you know, they have good quality of contact, but they are really bad in the, on, on contact itself. They are uh, a few standard deviations worse than like league average in terms of contact percentage. And, you know, I, I guess when you think about it, you know, like the Carson Williams and all that, like that type of player, they, they're kind of um, not focusing on, but they're, they're easy to embrace those guys who have the huge exit velocities and all that, but uh, the contact rate isn't the greatest. Um, so that was a bit surprising. And then another one where you're combining the both sides of the ball, um, the Brewers, where, you know, the, the, the narrative has kind of been recently or before recently that uh, the pitching, like they're really great at devel- developing pitching, like Corbin Burns, Freddie Peralta, Brian Woodruff, um, Aaron Ashby was in that conversation before, um, but their hitting wasn't so good. But it's like now it looks like they've kind of switched over where the the hitting, they seem to be like maybe, I don't know if they're focusing on it, but they uh, maybe they were being underrated in terms of their hitting development because I think they were seventh on the on the hitting side. Um, where they, they don't chase as much. They make good contact. Uh, the exit velocities are, you know, not as high as some of the top ones, but, uh, you know, they're putting together good bats. And like the South Relics and the Garrett Mitchells and Joey Weimer, Bryce Terang, all these guys who are making it to the majors. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, you know, a testament to the their, I don't know if they've turned it around. Maybe that's very unfair, but uh, a testament to how they, they've done a good job on the hitting side. Yeah, I think part of that is probably like, where they've invested resources. I also think they do a good job of pitching development, particularly at the major league level. A lot of their guys kind of get slow rolled, Burns, Woodruff, some of these guys, Freddie Peralta, sort of that relief role, right? And they limit exposure necessarily, kind of get their feet wet. And then it's like a point where they unleash them as starters. That was kind of what seemed to be the Ashby plan. But I think you're right. Like, you know, you look at the top 30, um, 
Jackson Churio, Sal Frelick. You mentioned Joey Weimer before. Garrett Mitchell being another guy that's still on this list. Tyler Black, Jefferson Cuero, Louis Laura, Brock Wilkin. I mean, they've invested quite a bit in in, in um, position players. Mike Bovey's another one. Luke Adams, um, Eric Brown. They have some interesting players here. Cooper Pratt, if you're into that guy. I mean, there's there's a lot of Cooper Pratt fans out there. They have some arms here, just maybe less depth. And, you know, I don't know necessarily what the bottom or the middle of that pitching uh, system necessarily looks like. I don't cover them. Um, and I'm not going to necessarily know all those guys off the top of my head and how they perform and rate against everything else. So that's what I felt was really valuable uh, about this particular set of articles. and Some of those takeaways and like things that you kind of see, and there's some things that are confirmed, like the nationals didn't rank out very well. And uh, it kind of tracks with what I saw in spring training, you know, um, th- that the Astros, um, the Cardinals, the Marlins, the Mets, the last two years, I've seen the entirety of those systems over the course of a couple of weeks down in Florida. So I get a good feel for like what they have popping. And, you know, like it's not necessarily about the guys you know about. It's like the guy who comes in where you're like, Jose Fleury from the Astros. Wow, that's interesting. I didn't know who this guy was. Or Alimbra Santa a couple of years ago. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know what that guy, who that guy was, you know. Um, and, I'm, you know, you have to hope that that's the kind of thing that brings up the middle and the bottom. It's like those guys start popping and you have some of those. So, um, yeah, and we did eliminate um, complex league players, guys that are over the age of 26 years old. Um, I think with the complex league players, a lot of those are portable trackmen. It's not consistent. There's not necessarily trackmen and data from location to location. Um, so it just makes the sample very like noisy. And uh, yeah, so we decided not to use that, but it also kind of means that it's good news for maybe like a team like the Marlins where some of their best started uh, starting pitching prospects, like Max Meyer was hurt. Um, but also they have these two young studs coming in like Noble Meyer and Thomas White who could potentially impact this next year and sort of start to raise up some of those numbers by having a guy, two guys like that, maybe throwing a combined 150, 160 innings somewhere, somewhere along those lines. So uh, really interesting stuff Dylan, any other takeaways before we sort of move on here? No, I think we pretty much uh, covered it all. I just, I think, you know, if you haven't read the articles, I encourage you to take a look, just even out of curiosity to see how your favorite organization's doing. Um, yeah, it was very satisfying exercise. It was it was nice to see that, like you know, Atlanta, who you know from the scouting looks are don't have you know the best, uh, you know the best uh, system, and then the Statcast kind of backs that up too. So it was a, kind of a nice validation exercise to see that you know the underlying metrics kind of match the eye test. It's because they've been trading all their players to the to the Oakland Athletics, which also hasn't worked out for them. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you know, I think uh, that's a good point and uh, very interesting. And the methodology behind both the hitting score um, and the uh, the stuff score, though, it's really more – it's not your standard stuff plus kind of score. It's just measuring movement. It's measuring really run value. It's really more of like a run value overall sort of metric that we just tied under the stuff name, moniker, because we like that. So we stuck with it. Um, Dylan? You said we covered everything, so that means that we deserve a break, as do you. Enjoy this message. We'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. What I love about using Indeed is how it does a lot of that organizational work for me. I can sort through candidates. I can respond to them. I can schedule interviews all through Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses, including Baseball America, that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Just go to Indeed.com slash Baseball America right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And we're back. All right, Dylan. It's also a big day because it is Rule 5 protection deadline when we release this. We're recording on Monday night. It's going to release on Tuesday morning. That is the protection deadline. This is like Chris. It's like Thanksgiving for the Rule 5 or Christmas Eve. It's like, you know, we, we get all the information. We know who's protected. And then JJ and I get to our maniacal, crazy work where we just dive into all the Rule 5 available players. This year, there's a lot less players available for the Rule 5. Noticing that, just going through the list, because it was a five-round draft, mostly college players. Most of the good college players from 2020 have already matriculated to the major leagues and have service time and certainly are already on 40-man rosters. Um, So that thins it out quite a bit. So there's less players available. Um, It's also the international class of, like, Robert Passone is actually available. I don't think he'll be protected or chosen. But uh, it kind of goes back. So like Jason Dominguez, these guys would have been available this year. It's kind of crazy to think about that, but you get less time as an international player. Um, So Dylan, what does this mean for fantasy? Why is it relevant? Um, I kind of talked to you a little bit about this off air. Um, I think this is a time, particularly in my deep leagues, like my 30 team leagues, it allows me to set proper ETAs when I'm before I have to make decisions for keepers on prospects, those come up in January and, you know, I being able to see like, okay, does the organization believe enough to the number one, protect this guy. Once he's protected, that gives me a clear idea. Okay. He's one of 40 guys that are protected on this. There's a 26 man roster. Things happen. There's an opportunity for this guy to potentially come up and see major league service time next year. It's one less question that we have to ask about ETA. And I think in this day and age with the um, prospect promotion incentives and what that's done is it's caused a lot of players not only to get called up earlier in the season, but in the middle of the summer, I saw it felt like there were more call-ups for players that I don't think would have been called up a year prior, you know, in the, in the days where we just worried about the Super 2 and all those sort of things. It felt like teams were more willing uh, to get those guys service time than they had in, in previous years, um, even if they weren't eligible for the the prospect promotion incentive. Um, so that being said, I think a good takeaway as a manager is like, okay, I have an idea now, whether it's players that are going to be available in my draft, 
players I'm targeting in trade or guys on my own roster, I can get a better ETA and feel a little bit better about the organization if they do protect them, probably getting an opportunity in the major leagues within the next two years. Um, there's not many times that teams tell us stuff like this. It's an indirect way that they're telling us this, but there are, there are some interesting names available, Dylan. Um, do you think I should jump in and, and roll through the names or do you have any sort of uh, thoughts on uh, my thoughts? It's interesting how you talk about that. Cause the way I used to look at the rule five for dynasty and fantasy is after the draft, who gets taken because they kind of have to stay on the, you know, the major league roster. And so, I remember a few years ago, like Victor Reyes was taken by the Tigers. And I'm like, well, he's going to play, I guess, in the outfield then. And so I took him in my FYPD, which that draft was after the Rule 5 draft. So you know who was taken, who's not. Um, Ryan Noda was another one, right, that was taken last year. And he was fantasy relevant. And mm-hmm. so, you know, because they're, they're you know they're going to get playing time. So I'm talking now after the draft. Um, and you were talking before the draft, and that is interesting too. I, I like how it, it kind of just changes everything so quickly where Tampa Bay had to trade, you know, Tobias Myers, or they had a roster crunch. And so they were willing to trade some of these guys on the on the fringe of who they protect. And that's how they got Junior Caminero. And that's kind of yeah. changed the whole complexion of the prospect landscape. Because um, I think Tobias Myers was probably more highly rated than Junior Caminero at the time. Um, because he had came off a great year. He goes to the Guardians, who are just a pitching factory. And then, uh, you know, it's kind of hasn't worked out so well. But the Rule 5 is definitely, you know, rife with with narratives and storylines that will affect you in fantasy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think, like you said, like the Rule 5 itself, that has some interest in fantasy. Um, I think especially when you're talking about some of maybe these uh, – these like you know dcs and some of the stuff where it's like draft and hold and you're trying to find some some late round flyers um sometimes it's guys like that that stick and turn out to be pretty interesting we've seen some good ones in recent years like you said ryan noda was one that you shot it out uh, was a pretty good one uh you know garrett whitlock a few years ago another really good one um but today let's chat about some guys that i think will probably get protected tomorrow but some players like a Yankee Fernandez or an Adele Amador, both in the higher minors, both had some time at double A last year. Um, I would assume they probably returned to double A, but once you're in double A, the jump to the majors, it's not that far away, you know, especially the way some organizations, not the Rockies, but some organizations have been avoiding triple A altogether with their prospects. So I think with some guys like that, that's pretty interesting. Christian Mena. Uh, from the White Sox is another one. Um, didn't have a great year, um, but I think still kind of an interesting pitching prospect, a little bit younger, was up to AAA last year. That's a guy that could be in the majors, probably gets protected. Um, you know, some other names I just shot out here, like Louis Perales. That's a little bit more interesting. Like, he's really young. I don't know if somebody would take a shot on him. The stuff is super loud. You know, Red Sox kind of have a crunch in the 40-man roster. Is that guy going protected? Possibly. You know, some names like that that are kind of interesting. Um, but I think with some of the bigger names, and there's not a ton this year in comparison to other years because I think a lot of them are already on. Um, there are some players that I think, you know, it wouldn't be crazy if Yankeel Fernandez or Adel Amador are in the majors next year. One that might be a little bit crazy, but I would assume there's no question he's going to get protected. And that's Emmanuel Rodriguez, Dylan. Um, somebody would absolutely take him if he was available. 
regardless of the fact that he's 20 years old and still swings and misses quite a bit, uh, we know about the strikeout rates and the concerns there. Um, let me let me give you. How, let me interrupt you. Let me interrupt you. Sure. Let me give you. A, let me give you a thought experiment question. Put you on the spot. What if Amador or Yankee El Fernandez or Emmanuel Rodriguez are not protected by their clubs? What would your opinion of them as prospects be? Would it immediately tank? Would they drop a hundred spots on your list because it seems like maybe they're not as good? There's something behind the scenes. If the org is willing to just give them up, what? what that or would, does that actually rise them because someone's going to pick them, take them, and put them in the majors? Uh, it, it, it would be so far-fetched for <laughs> any of those guys to not get protected that I think I would just – just knowing the players, I would have to judge the team there. And there are times that guys are unprotected where it's like, what are you doing? You know, um, It hasn't been like a shining example like that um, where like if any of those guys were unprotected, I think like – they would be the universal number one anticipated pick in the rule five draft, unless they had some legal case or some, some off the field concern that we were unaware of that. That would be the second thing my mind would go to and the team would be like, is there something else going on here that we don't know about? Um, I know that like uh, um, uh, Briner Bonacci, Bonacci um, with the Red Sox, does have some off the field stuff. He's rule five eligible. It wouldn't shock me if he's left unprotected. I kind of feel like he might've been anyway. He has some off the field stuff. I don't, I don't think it's been reported what specifically the incident was or why. Um, but you know, that, that could be a guy where, you know, he should have been protected, but isn't. So I guess that like, I, I, you know, it's, it's tough to answer the question. Um, it's cause I, I don't think we've seen anybody like that, you know, Go unprotected. Like Noda seemed like a like a standout to me last year, and it was the Dodgers, and I kind of understand why they couldn't protect him. But still, like that kind of guy stuck out to me. Thad Ward stuck out to me last year, and they ended up going one too. You know. Yeah, I guess as you were talking, I was trying to think, like, what would I what would I think of Yankee El Fernandez if he wasn't protected, and he's probably going to end up going number one in the draft by some team, and then. Does that make make him more attractive, or does it make him less attractive as a prospect? It's, it's kind of a fascinating discussion. In some ways, it almost makes him less attractive. That I think he still needs major league time, I mean, minor league time. You know, time mm-hmm. to develop. Um, I guess Jose Ramos was kind of like that last year with the Dodgers. He was a guy that was kind of trending up. You know, there were some questions after that year. He goes unprotected, and it was like maybe I'm a little bit less interested in this guy now versus other players, you know? So it can negatively impact a player's value for sure, you know? And then he goes unselected and you're like, all right, well, I kind of understand it because of his experience. He's rule five eligible again this year. If he's unprotected, maybe he gets selected. It probably would make a little bit more sense this year. He was one of the more higher rated prospects that was unprotected last year, but a guy that I don't think anybody anticipated would get chosen, you know? Um, there are some more interesting arms here, if I may. Um, Nick Frosso and Clayton Beater are two arms. Yario Iriarte is another top 100 player. All these guys are rule five eligible. I would suspect that every single one of them gets protected. Knowing the Dodgers 40 man situation, 
it wouldn't shock me if Rosso gets streamlined to the bullpen at some point next year. If they need the help, um, I don't think they're giving up on him as a starter at all. But with that stuff, he really hasn't shown the full chops of like a guy that's going to be able to handle like 90 to 100 pitches every single time he goes out there and stay healthy. He could be a guy that gets, you know, streamlined and all of a sudden you find him, you know, in uh, all of a sudden he's in the picture for saves and in uh in in los angeles right i mean it's it's a little far-fetched but it's not out of the realm of possibility that something like that could happen i think clayton beater maybe ends up in the majors with the yankees pretty early he had some time in triple a he's a little bit older at 25 um i don't know if he's a starter frankly he might be he had a really good year um i think yari Uriarte is really interesting of the arms that are on this list, he probably is the one that I like the most. Really, really athletic thrower. He's got pretty good stuff as well. Um, he's really young, too. He's going to be 22, I think, at the start of next season. And he's a guy that the Padres need some pitching, man. Uh, they're going to lose Blake Snell and probably a few others. So that that's a player that maybe could see some time, maybe could be a starter next year. And he's got loud stuff. And Seems like somebody that could really blow up once he's at the major league level that people realize how good he is. Because even though he's on our top 100 list for real life, I don't know if he has the same esteem as some of the guys that are on the list that we just named, like a Clayton Beater or even like a G- DJ Hers with the Nationals now. He's going to be eligible. He was out in the fall league. Um, you know, if you start to read the tea leaves with some of this fall league, gets protected, bad rotation in Washington, maybe DJ Hers, Cole Henry's another one if he's healthy. These guys could be in the picture next year for rotation spots. Um, so that's some of the stuff that I, I kind of try to take away from this protection deadline as a fantasy manager. And then, of course, as you mentioned, all the good stuff about the trades and some of those things, some players will pop up. We have to see who Cleveland trades this year. Um, they traded somebody pretty good. Nolan Jones was a, 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 a Rule 5 deadline trade. So they traded Nolan Jones and Junior Cameronero <laughs> in back-to-back Rule 5 protection deadlines. Um, both of those players, I think, are going within the top 100 picks in Dynasty Leagues now. Well, they've already been taken in our mock, the Toolshed mock. There you go. In the fifth yeah. round. So yeah, that I would say the top five rounds, probably. Yeah. That Nolan Jones was the Juan Brito trade? Is that what that was? That's what that trade was. Yes, that was the Juan Breeder, who looks like a pretty good player, you know, and could be a pretty good guy. But I think they'd like to have Nolan Jones's impact in that lineup right now, you know. Maybe yeah. goes the same for Will Benson. <laughs> Definitely true. Certainly for Junior Cameronero. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Dylan, we're just about a half hour now. I don't know if you had any other thoughts on the protection deadline. I know this is a quick one early in dynasty season we don't have too much to talk about we do have some rankings coming out shortly um dylan's already diligently at work on those uh we're going to put out top 50 maybe a little introduction to dynasty type stuff and then roll into those position rankings right on through to the beginning of february where we'll drop our big list so uh it's ranking season Dylan. it's ranking season it is and it's uh it's difficult to uh this year to to do the rankings i'm finding them uh there's like this, this glut of young pitchers. Um, just going to name a whole bunch. It's like, you know, Gavin Williams, Sander Baby, Bobby Miller, Bryce Miller, Mason Miller, um, Shane Boz, and then Reese Olsen. Evan Sheehan. 
<laughs> Hammett Sheehan, Cole Taj Reagan, Bradley. Taj Bradley. There's all these young, sort of younger than 25 years old. Ryan Bayo. Brian Bayo, exactly. Yuri Perez, obviously. Grayson Rodriguez. All these guys who some have had success, some have not had success, some have a pedigree, some don't have pedigree, some performed without pedigree, like JP France, for example. And then it's like, how do you how do you rank these guys? I mean, obviously, this is the million dollar question in the context of say against uh, a Max Scherzer or a Justin Verlander or something. It's uh, it's always the the interesting. Interesting dance. I'm trying to figure out where to put them. I'm looking. I'm looking now, and like, there's even guys you didn't name, like Brian Wu. I don't know if we mentioned Andrew Abbott. Like Ryan Pepio is kind of another one. He's still interesting. Nick Lodolo's still young. He's coming off an injury, so he hasn't really had you know two full seasons yet. There's so many of these young pitchers. You're right, and I have to be honest. Like in Dynasty, I like that because I'd rather draft hitters early and kind of load up there. And there's this glut, like you said, of very like rosterable young pitchers and a lot of like veterans that are a little old for people's taste that kind of drop into that second, third pocket. And I feel like you can kind of clean up there this year. You know, um, I don't like to invest on pitchers early unless they're really, really exceedingly great talents. And I don't like to have multiple because it's just it's a good way to mitigate your risk, you know. I don't think you need to necessarily draft like Spencer Strider or have Garrett Cole to win your dynasty league. You can do it with a lot of pitching depth and a lot of guys that put up innings, you know, and have quality, especially if it's like this league I'm drafting now, it's a 16 team league. There's going to be major league starters that are available in the waiver wire, you know, like, so there's, there's a lot of ways to sort of, um, I keep using this phrase this week, but skin the cat. Can I, Dylan, who's skinning cat? (laughs) Why is this phrase in my head? I got to come up with a better phrase, dude. You know, something something better needs to come to my mind. It's the third time I've said skin the cat in 24 hours, and I don't know why. <laughs> it's grotesque and, and cruel. It is grotesque. You know, maybe that's why you're saying it because it's such a, a, a antithesis to how you live your life. Mm. I'm a lover of animals and, and kitty cats for sure. Uh, but Dylan, you know what? Got a half hour, man. We've got it all in that we could. We talked. It's a rule five protection deadline. We we talked our takeaways from our big uh, <laughs> stat cast, uh, you know, rankings that we did for all 30 organizations. Go and check those out. We're going to have more top 10 lists dropping all throughout the next uh, two months. Uh, NL until the end of the month. AL starts up next month. Then it's going to be top 30 season. We're going to have all the fantasy rankings going up. Of course, draft stuff uh, from Carlos and Peter. Year round, we're, we're, we're doing it, man. There's a ton of stuff on Baseball America. Go and check it out. We appreciate you listening and subscribing. That's why we get the opportunity to do this for 